the old diaphragm there with that one felt good it's like it's you know taking a nice deep cleansing breath occasionally is very healthy now my wife she gets on my case all the time and i love you honey you know i love you but i'm going to talk about you anyway on the program because i really couldn't think of much to open the show with so here we are but i do this little type thing and it's you know admittedly a lot of the time when it's in response to something she or my son has done, it's like I can't drop an F-bomb right now. So guess what? <sighs> nice cleansing breath. Sometimes it's all you can do. You know, it just it, you, you need a nice cleansing breath to either exacerbate con- conditions or to just, you know, plain not punch somebody in the mouth. It just, you know, it, it help, it's helpful. What can you do? And, you know, I will fully admit that I use it a lot. And there I, there I go just then, using it in that moment. It's, all, it's, it's usually a point of frustration. It's usually like when I'm trying to, in this case anyway, like on the in the context of the show, I'm trying to remove the brain cloud that's in the way of me expressing what I want to say. Because increasingly here, as I've gotten older, and I, I don't know what else to blame it on, but I have these moments where I know what I want to say, but the word just vanishes from my vocabulary. It's like I, I wanted to talk about hot dogs or whatever. It's say something fairly innocuous, and it just goes out of my mind, just plain poof, gone. And that's you know, one of those moments where the <sighs> comes out on the show. So if you hear me doing that in the context of the program, it's because of the fact that I'm frustrated with my own brain and the cloudiness that's up there these days. Because there's so much up there anymore. You know, it's like the old saying goes, or how it used to be in terms of um, with hard drive storage. And this is me getting even further off of a tangent here than what we started with. But if you've never studied anything along the lines of how data is allocated in a hard drive, Depending on which operating system you're dealing with, it's going to be different, of course, but it used to be in versions of Windows to where it didn't necessarily just look for the most next appropriate um, size space on your hard drive. It would kind of scatter things around. It would say, okay, well, I'm going to put this over here and this over here and this over here based on what slots were available in storage. And that's where the term of a fragmented hard drive came from, because it slowed down processor speeds by virtue of it having to go back and piece together these chunks of data. So, you know, in more recent versions of Windows and whatnot, it's much better, it's much improved, but it's because it's defragmenting all the time. Used to, you had to do that yourself. Now it does it for you, but... You know, it's just, again, we're talking about frustration, we're talking about getting things out, and that little, 
is my main way of doing that. And I, it's, it's a, you know, a simple little thing, but my wife, she calls that my Darth Vader breathing. So when I do the, it doesn't sound like Darth Vader at all, actually, because Darth Vader sounds like, because his is an actual respirator. Mine is just a simple, it doesn't even sound even remotely the same. Okay, it actually does sound pretty close. It's just that mine's not repeated. I don't do it ad nauseum because I'm not actually going to die if I stop doing it. He would die if he stopped breathing. Vader was, you know, he was mostly, we have to say, dead in that armor there. He was being kept alive by that thing, for crying out loud. Oh, Nelly, have we gone sideways here to start the program? That might be the worst one I've ever done. How you doing, folks? Come on in and turn it up. It's a weekly trim with yours, Beardly, the one and only Red Beard, where you're going to get treated every show to at least four minutes of absolute nonsense. <laughs> and it's me, Red Beard, your host here, or at least the only guy who calls himself Red Beard for the next 10 square miles or so, because I'm sure there's others out there. Maybe there's a friendly neighborhood Red Beard in your part of the world. But regardless, we appreciate you for tuning in and for being a part of the program here and for participating in what we're doing here, whether it be on the Rascal of Redbeard YouTube channel or Anchor.fm space or anywhere else that you might be finding this program. We really appreciate you participating, whether it be through the form of likes, comments, subscriptions, shares, all that good stuff that us online personalities and YouTubers, whatever you want to call us, are supposed to beg you for. Uh, this here is the 21st of September 2020 edition of the program. I said that way out of order. This is the September 21st, 2020 edition of the program. Kind of a mouthful there, isn't it? September 21st, 2020. That is a lot of 20s. And, you know, again, 2020 been a crazy thing, not only in terms of just all the goings-on in terms of COVID world and whatnot. That's... You know, we, we we have the great show there on HBO Westworld. We might as well call this COVID world. But you know, the the even more weird thing is our atmospheric conditions. Now, I will say this before we get going: I'm going to thank the good Lord above for the fact that we are experiencing some nice, cooler weather here in the South, or at least in my part of the South. I'm not sure about everywhere else, but right around here. It's in the mid-60s. I think it got up to about 72 or 3 today. It's in the mid-60s right now as I'm recording this. And man alive, it felt good to be outside today. I took a drive uh, to pick up some supper here earlier and was just pleased as punch to be able to lower the windows and just drive and hit that, you know, get, that, get hit in the face with that nice cool breeze there as it's flowing through. Uh, I was going to say flowing through my hair, but I don't have enough hair for it to actually flow through anymore, except on my chin. It could flow through the beard hair. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> but as it was just flowing through the cab of my truck there, felt great. It was really refreshing to not have that stale, dead, hot air that we have here in the South for, it seems like, better than six months out of the year. It was We get to around... You know, but I'd say around the time of March ending or somewhere in April in there, it starts to get a little bit more muggy. And then from that point until about now, when October comes around, it really is just plain awful to be outside. I I, I don't care what other people think. Some people love summer, they love spring. 
spring's not bad. Spring's not as hot, but it's still getting there hot. But summertime, you can just pound sand. I, I hate it. I've grown to dislike every aspect of summertime, period. I, you know, I turn into one of those people to where it's just like, no, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be outside. I don't want to go anywhere where there's not air conditioning. Just leave me alone. Leave me with my beverage and my cold air conditioning blowing on me at 72 degrees or lower. Because you know, that's one that's you know a big debate around a lot of different people's households as well. It's like, well, what do you run your air conditioning on in summer? Our home, I think, must be fairly efficient in terms of the way it was built. We didn't build our home. We purchased it from uh, the original owners. Uh, it was built within the past 15 years or so. I forget what year it was built. Might have been 2007, somewhere in there. Still relatively new. But I'm assuming it's uh, very efficient in terms of what it uh, runs on here because of the fact that we have ours usually set between 74 and 73 degrees very comfortable inside. Of course, we have fans and that kind of thing that improve as well, but still, I don't want to be anywhere where there's not air conditioning when it's really in the doldrums of summer. And it's been unfortunate this year because not only is my office, the building I work in, unfortunately, is very old and not very well maintained in terms of the systems like air conditioning and what have you. So it's always every every summer you put band-aids on the system and it's to a point to where now it's almost, it's really irreparable because there's so many problems with it. It's been patched and gone over so many times. There's really very little they can do anymore. So it just, it just plain gets hot and it's very uncomfortable, especially because of the fact that, you know, when I first came to the office that I work in, they said, oh, it's, it's great. You're going to have a window with an office. You're going to be on a corner. It's going to be great. You know, and now it's like, oh, well, I see why you tried to sell me on that because of the fact that this window soaks up sun most of the day. So I'm sitting here cooking behind this window. But still, you know, it's just one of these things where it's hot, it's muggy. And if you're not in good conditions or if you're like me, if you're someone who really just plain can't take the heat, period, I, I, mean, I mean that literally, I, I sweat like a hog, like a whore in church. I'm going to go ahead and use that term, really and truly. I sweat terribly, and I feel bad about it because, you know, you try and be presentable, but it's hard. It's really difficult to do that when you just have sweat pouring off of you. But be that as it may, you know, I try and do as much as I can to stay in cooler temperatures, to not be, you know, a sweaty pig the entire time, but it still happens. But, you know, we're getting into cooler weather. We're fortunately to that point in the year where it's football weather, but there's there's no football. So it's like, well, what the hell? And there's some football, some, not as much. It's getting there. You even have some local teams like the, you know, the high school teams are playing around here. But you know the college you know teams they're getting there they're getting there pro you're not going to stop the NFL I'm sorry but there's too much money there for things to get backed up but like we said it's getting towards this time of year where things are better but then there's still so much craziness going on in the tropics with the hurricane season this is just a ridiculous thing that's happening out here and I I'm a big fan if you're if you don't follow him I would strongly encourage you to follow Mike's weather page on um, Facebook he does a tremendous amount of work for just a guy who's sort of a Joe Schmo type who's a big fan of weather and uh, meteorology 
he does a tremendous amount of work in collecting a whole lot of data and going live pretty much every day on Facebook to give reports about what's happening around the tropics. And, you know, he's drawn the ire of some actual, you know, TV meteorologists. And it's funny to me because they have this sort of, uh, this, you know, they they look down the nose of the glasses like they're we're scientists. We're telling you word for word verbatim what you should be listening to. And this is this is just some guy selling beer with a dog in his lap. And you know, but the thing of it is, Mike has never proclaimed to be anything other than that. He's just a dude who enjoys weather and talking about weather. So it just, you know, he's got a great personality and he's got a tremendous following because of it. But if you're not following him, I definitely would encourage you to look him up on Facebook there because he does a great job of reporting all that's going on in the, in the tropics there. Uh, as we said, still very active, still a lot going on, stuff coming across the Atlantic there. Of course, everything churns off the coast of Africa and then just, mutates and builds seemingly as it comes this way. Now, there are some that will, of course, metamorphose out of different potencies from the uh, Gulf of Mexico. And that part of the world, the uh, Gulf states, Louisiana, Alabama, Texas, even parts of Georgia have just absolutely been hammered this year. They've had several come ashore right there in that area, and it's just been absolutely really, really terrible to see news reports of all the damage that uh, has, has occurred as a result of these things. It just, you know, cause it seems like it wasn't that long ago that these folks were dealing with the hell that was Katrina. And now to have repeated incidents of these things striking their same area within one year, that's just, it's so crazy to think of. And not that we haven't had it in our part of the world, because, you know, the, the Carolinas, we've had several strikes in the past of these things where we've gotten multiple hurricanes that have come ashore in one year. But with our coastline being what it is, we at least are more spread out in terms of where the potential landfall could be and for the potential path of these things to take as well. Because once they come on shore, they tend to, you know, they get a little drunk and they meander and whatnot, depending on if they hit Myrtle Beach or Charleston. But it, you know, it just it kind of depends because <laughs> the bars are different, you know, depending on which town you hit there. That's a terrible joke. But anyway, um, they do they do meander and they do wander depending on how, where they hit uh, in terms of the landfall there. Most of them, you know, we've not had a whole lot come this way through the Midlands past couple of years anyway. Uh, we had a few that they dissipated somewhat when they got up through here. Tornadic activity we do have occasionally as a result of these things. Within the past week, there actually was a weather report that came out of the uh, National Hurricane Center in Columbia that uh, reported that there was a, maybe an EF0 tornado somewhere around my part of the world, which is a very small-scale tornado, but it's still a tornado not something to get around with there at all. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's plain been crazy, 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 crazy. Because right now, you know, I'm actually, as we're talking, I'm going to go out on the web here and reference uh, the website of uh, Mike's weather page, which is spaghettimodels.com. If you don't know what that is all about in terms of the name of the website. Spaghetti Models has to do with the actual, um, the what's the best way of putting it, the 
potentials, I think that's what they're referred to as. You'd think I would know what these terms would be for as often as I look at his webpage, but they're sort of um, paths of where they think these things might go. And it's always, you know, a piece of artwork where you see these lines sort of wandering up through a map. And that's where the term spaghetti bottles comes from, because the lines look like spaghetti. So if you've never been there before, definitely do check out SpaghettiBottles.com. That's part of Mike's weather page, um, as you see it there. But, you know, I'm out here looking on the um, the website that he has, and at this point in time, there are four, looks like, on the map here, as he's got. And you have Teddy, who, of course, is the one who's out there sort of, eh, not quite near Bermuda, but he's getting closer to being aligned with uh, parts of the Dominican Republic and whatnot in terms of at least the um, longitude, or excuse me, latitude, I'm sorry. Um, but it's still pretty good ways away from making any contact with any type of land. Uh, then behind him, you got Wilfred. Wilfred, still tropical storm, and maximum sustained winds look like it's about 40 miles per hour, so not a whole lot of power in that one yet, but could, of course, uh, gain speed as it approaches that uh, warmer water that's in the Atlantic there. And then there's another one that's out sort of... I'll say maybe north of where everything else typically is in terms of churning off the coast of Africa. It's it's pretty high. Uh, it's got a, from what they're saying on the report here from NOAA, it's got a uh, about a 60% chance of formation within the next five days. So it's, you know, it's there. But the other one, you know, we've got three. Now we've got a fourth, which is Tropical Storm Beta. That's right, beta. There's been so many of these things this year that they have gone through the entire alphabet in terms of being able to name these storms. They don't, you know, it's W. Why do they stop at W? You have W, X, Y, Z. Why don't you go with those? I'm not really sure. I don't know why they don't um, use the rest of the alphabet there if it's just too random. But the, once it gets to a point where W is exhausted, the naming goes to the Greek alphabet, and they don't use alpha, apparently. They use um, beta as the initial one, and it's just sitting out there churning at this point right below Louisiana. Like, if you look at where the positioning is, it is right below Louisiana. And, again, we're looking at spaghetti models. We're looking at all kinds of potentialities in terms of where this thing might go from you look at and there's my Darth Vader there. If you look at the sort of cone of uncertainty with this thing, it looks like it might be headed more towards the coast of Texas in terms of that area, because most of the projections have it hitting in that uh, sort of Houston part of the uh, the world there, with Texas and whatnot being the most prominent hit. But then it's going to loop around and come into the center part of Louisiana. So yeah or at least by these models anyway, that's the path it's supposed to take. So just, you know, a, a continuation of the craziness that is this year and looking at whether, you know, I, I really, I can't recall, especially when it comes to you know, the science of the um, hurricane season, I can't recall ever hearing talk of using the Greek alphabet before. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where I had to like, well, do you ever... I even asked my wife, I was like, do you ever remember hearing the news talk of 
using the Greek alphabet as you know a naming convention for storms, and I had to actually go look it up. And despite the fact that I couldn't remember it, it actually wasn't used that well. Excuse me, it was used not all that long ago, 2015. They went through the entire run of. Uh, names that were available that year. I think from what I remember reading, it was Hurricane Wilma might have been what uh, the last one was there. But the uh, most recent time it's happened was 2005. And at that point in time, they uh, had to employ a couple of them. It was a very active year then as well. But it was it's just crazy to me to think, okay, well, my gosh, how often has this happened? This is only the second time it's ever happened that they had to use the Greek alphabet. So that gives you a sense of really what's going on here in terms of how significant this is. It's a very unprecedented thing. But then, you know, and I'm not really, I'm not going to get into the politics of this and whatnot, but it makes you think, you know, it's one of these other things where it's like, well, is that part of this whole climate change potentiality here as well? You know, could that really be playing into that? If it's happened twice in 15 years, I mean, that's kind of significant in of itself for never having happened again or for never having happened previously to that. I, you know, there's just there's stuff like that that kind of makes you think, all right, well, hey, maybe we ought to be doing a little bit more in terms of trying to get battery-operated cars and whatnot as opposed to continuing to churn out all these gas guzzlers and things, even with, you know, even with the engines that shut off. I was I was driving somewhere here not too long ago, and I wound up being in a lane beside some newer Jeep model, and the engine just shut off on the damn thing. Well, they were sitting there, and I was like, what is going on? But I realized it was the economy mode on that engine to where it said, okay, when I get to a point where I'm at a stoplight or I'm at a sustained stop, the engine shuts off. So, you know, it's one of those cool things that can be done to improve emission standards and whatnot, but... You see stuff like this, and it's like, eh, maybe we ought to be doing more. Maybe we should be doing more. Maybe I should be doing more. I drive a 2001 Chevrolet Silverado, which I have kept to this day because of the fact that, one, it uh, I don't have a car payment, so that frees up you know $300 per month that we can use on other things there. Uh, two, the place that we live, tax bill on that truck, it's about $15 a year because it's already pretty well maxed out of being a, uh, a vehicle that has any real appreciable value. You know, that, that's terrible, but it's good because winds up saving me some money and you know, maintenance on it is pretty cheap. Parts for that thing are not hard to come by and it's pretty easy to work on as well. But still, you know, all things considered, crazy year. I'm hoping that when hurricane season winds down here, because September is typically the most active month, and we still have a couple of weeks here to go in the month of September, at least, you know, about a week and a half. I'm hoping this thing will ramp down here. October hopefully will be quiet. November, you know, it's supposed to go away during that point of the year. Still, it's one of those situations where it's like, 2020 would be the year where we'd have a hurricane show up in December. You know, we'd wind up canceling Christmas, for God's sake, because there's a hurricane in 2020. I just go figure. Or there'll be one, excuse me, there'll be one October, you know, 31st, when there's already supposed to be a full moon. That'll be even more fitting for 2020. Full moon, Halloween, and a hurricane 
all at the same time. Yes, it just ruined Halloween there for everybody. I'm sorry, but I, I've jinxed you now, I'm sure. <sighs> There's the more incredulous version of my... <sighs> when you have to add the... <sighs> in there to it, where you, it's, it's really the point where you just plain don't give a shit at that point in time there, where you have to add in the vocalization there too. <sighs> One more time before we go to break. Folks, appreciate you for continuing to listen to us and tune in. We're going to take a break here for a few minutes, listen to some music. We'll be back in a few. Stay tuned. Yeah.
welcome back, everybody. Thank you for continuing to hang out with us here on the Weekly Trim Podcast as part of the old Rascal the Redbeard YouTube channel. Uh, you know, we're we're continuing to hold on to hope here at some point in time that we'll be able to get to do a little bit more with the channel as things continue to evolve and we have some different topics to include here and there. You know, we, we're predominantly wrestling-based content, but the podcast... I try to make as diverse as possible in talking about things other than just wrestling. But, you know, there will always be a little bit of that sprinkled here and there. Still, though, we try and diversify things on the on the old uh, weekly trim. And I've started to really diversify what I watch on TV these days. It's gotten pretty cool, I will say, because I've had, you know, I have time. I have time in the evenings usually when I'm sort of, you know, just piecing out to myself there my son's gone to bed. My wife is working on whatever project she might be going on with there in her study. And I'm just able to, you know, turn off the old brain and enjoy a program. Sometimes, again, it might be wrestling. Sometimes it might be sports because, you know, we're at a point in the year where, fortunately, the NHL playoffs are going. NBA playoffs are happening now. Uh, we got football coming back around. But, you know, I also, I, for a long time, I didn't re- watch recurring shows. Because it always seemed like, all right, if I bother to get into this, it's going to get canceled. That's just the way things work in terms of me and my look. But, you know, here for a little while, with the advent of streaming anyway, I've had the good fortune to encounter some that have been steady, they've been consistent, and they've been really pretty cool for the most part in what I've been able to encounter here. Uh, there's you know, some stuff that, you know, for example, I, I talked about Westworld there in the opening segment of the show. Westworld was one of those shows where I didn't watch it at first. I, I had no real uh, interest in it, seemingly, because I didn't know what it was. I had, I had seen the, or I had seen bits and pieces of the old movie that it was based on. And, uh, you know, even before that, in terms of just getting HBO's streaming service, it was all about being able to watch Game of Thrones. I wanted to watch Game of Thrones. That was the long and short of it. But it became, you know, one of those things where the more I tuned in to their recurring programming, the more I was really just drawn into it. And, you know, after Game of Thrones went away and I finished up Westworld there, it was like, all right, well, what's coming next? And lo and behold, they did Watchmen. And Watchmen, you know, I've forever been a fan of the graphic novel there with Alan Moore. Um, But it's always been one of those things where any Alan Moore property just seems like it's going to get butchered in some way, shape, or form. But this wasn't. This was done wonderfully. And it picked up the narrative in such a way that it really was just, you know, it was immediate in how it tied into what happens in the graphic novel. And it was done respectfully, I thought, in terms of the tone of the material. And it was a great run there. It's unfortunate that it seems like it's going to be a single season and that we never get another one. Um, but at least, you know, if you look at it, the people were complaining, you know, saying, well, there, there should be more of these things. But if you look at it, it was a, a contained narrative. It did have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So it's unfortunate as a fan, you know, that that show's not going to continue apparently. But at the same time, at least, you know, you got some finality to it. It might not have been what you wanted in terms of you know the, the whole thing playing out there, but it was a, a conclusion. That's you know, one of the things that people I think have to get through when it comes to watching a show is that it you know it might 
have had an ending that you didn't like, but that doesn't mean that you have to dislike the entire show. That's like, you know, with Game of Thrones. The, everybody has just run the thing into the ground for the way the final season went. And that's, you know, I'll say hello, Roddy. My dog, of course, is chiming in by shaking his keys there at us, or not his keys, but his, his tags there at us. But the season eight there, Game of Thrones, was it frustrating? Yes. Was it a final statement on that whole series? Yeah, it's still frustrating, though. So that one I kind of agree with in terms of people having a problem with. But um, when it came to you know watching <clears throat> Watchmen, it was really uh, cool to see where they went. Um, I would love to see more, but I accept the fact that it's done if we don't ever get any more of them. Because it was, it was still cool the way they handled it. So then we moved on to Westworld. Westworld was cool. Still, you know, looking forward to seeing what they do with the next season on that one. Uh, and moving into, you know, the sort of the more modern world or the real world, quote-unquote, uh, with the way the last season did, that was pretty slick there. There were some things involved in there visually that were just awesome in terms of how they handled it. Um, some characters left. You know, some characters are gone now, so that'd be, it'll be interesting to see who sort of picks up slack here and there. But still, great show. In terms of you know, what I've been watching here more recently, beyond Watchmen and Westworld, I've uh, gotten into a lot of streaming stuff, and not you know I, I was here for, for the past you know couple of weeks here, especially as the you know, pandemic moved on. There, I was watching a lot of movies, watched a whole lot of movies, some stuff that I had never seen before. More or less, you know, some stuff was in there to say, okay, all right, well I watched it now, I've gotten it in, I can see I've seen this. But some of it was stuff that I was interested in actually taking in and you know being hopefully engrossed by. Um, but I've moved away from the movies, gotten into more recurring programming now. And I started off uh, last weekend thinking, okay, well, I know this is out there. I know this is something that might wind up being really campy, but I'm going to get into it anyway. And that was Cobra Kai. Blew through both seasons in a single weekend. Not Then there were, I think, I think 10 episodes per season there. Now, Cobra Kai, if you weren't familiar, it started off on the YouTube Red, I think it's called, streaming platform. Uh, so the first season was not originally on Netflix. Now both of them are because Netflix, uh, I believe, has purchased the rights to the program going forward. So they'll be developing, hopefully, the third season here to come soon. But I blew through the first two seasons in one weekend there. That's 20 hours, you might, might as well say, of programming there. And I did it all in the course of a weekend. It was that good. You know, There's some camp to it. There's a lot of nostalgia, I will say. Uh, well, one other thing I'll add, that show does not work unless you bring back the entire original cast. Now, of course, Pat Morita, he could not be a part of it because, unfortunately, he is deceased. Uh, there's very good tributes to him as, of course, the man who played Mr. Miyagi uh, very faithfully and very courageously there. Uh, great role. And there are some very great tributes to him throughout the, uh, the seasons here. But blew through both seasons, loved every minute of it. It's full of nostalgia. It's full of camp. It's not the best acted thing at times, but ultimately... It turns into this incredibly well-done Shakespearean-esque family drama where you have warring families feuding over what is essentially a plot of land in Southern California. 
and they're trying to you know go back and forth over who's going to dominate the karate scene there in this little section of California. And of course, you know, it's not a full scale family drama because Johnny Lawrence, you know, he's he's returned here. He doesn't have a family of his own, but his family is Cobra Kai. And they are, of course, at odds with Johnny Lawrence, or excuse me, not Johnny Lawrence, with Daniel LaRusso, uh, who of course returns as or, or excuse me, Ralph Macchio returns as uh LaRusso there, who has his own family. He's a family man, has gained tremendous wealth by virtue of being a successful uh, car salesman. Not at all what you would have expected from that character, knowing the way he was as you know, a young man there, but it's an interesting evolution nonetheless. And it really is a tremendous narrative they've put together, and this feud, this drama between these two groups going back and forth with the combat involved and all this cool you know, family squabble, love story type thing really is just plain awesome. It's so much more well done than I expected it to be. Really, 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 really recommend it to anybody who is of my generation who might have, you know, watched Karate Kid as a kid and would love to see more of that. You know, it's a great uh, program. Really would uh, you know, say it's worth your time if you haven't seen it already. So, and evidently, season three is in production. I don't know anything about a debut date or a release date, but hopefully it'll be sometime within the next couple of months here. I think they could probably insure this one out pretty quickly. There's not a whole lot of you know special effects or fancy editing or anything weird about it. It's just pretty straightforward acting there. So hopefully they can uh, get it uh, churned out pretty well there and uh, you know safely as well, because of course things have been going on to hamper production of things like TV shows and movies here the past couple of months. Another show I just actually started here within the past uh, day or two. That's another one on the HBO streaming platform, uh, Raised by Wolves. I'm still you know, I'm still getting into this one. Still not a hundred percent really sold on what it's about and how they're flowing things, but it's it's very interesting in terms of the approach that's been taken to looking at, I'll say, the dynamic of people who are very diametrically opposed in terms of their belief systems. Now, the structure of this show, and it's a, it's a Ridley Scott production. If you know Ridley Scott, you know he was the man behind Alien, Blade Runner, uh, so many other tremendous science fiction works that have been out there through the years. Um, Ridley has a thing for psychotic androids, as we very well know. You only have to watch Alien one time to understand what I'm talking about there. And also, of course, Blade Runner. Blade Runner's kind of the same thing in terms of there being... Not, well, Blade Runner, they're not really psychotic. They're just, they don't know who they are. <laughs> but, wow, that was a spoiler if you've never seen that movie. Holy cow. Um, but, you know, in Raised by Wolves, you have these two groups of people. One set is a group of folks who are believers in a deity known as soul. It's it's clearly not Christianity. I think they've done a lot to sort of separate this from being thought of purely as Christianity, even though there's some symbolism and some symbology that really puts it in the same vein as like the, the Templar Knights and whatnot from back in the Inquisition days. 
But it's a situation where you have this one group here, they worship this soul thing, which it hasn't, in the episodes that I've seen, it hasn't been really fleshed out what the origin of that is yet. But you have that group there, and then you have this second group, which isn't actually people. It's these two androids who show up to a planet because of the fact that the Earth has been ravaged to a point that they can no longer um, host life theirs. Life is no longer sustainable on planet Earth. And this takes place about 130, 140 years in the future, which is not that far away. So to be making all these sort of assumptive directions about the way that the population is going to change and the way the Earth itself is going to change in what's really just two generations there, that's pretty crazy. But at the same time, like I was saying, you have the soul crew there, and then you have these two androids that show up. The androids represent the atheists, which are just what it says. They're the folks who don't have any sort of faith at all. They just you know, believe what they believe. And when you die, your lights go out, and that's it. You know, the whole thing there. And I don't have a problem with atheism. We're not going to get into that here. That's not what any of this is about. I'm just trying to describe the difference there as quickly and efficiently as possible. But it's these two androids. They come to this Kepler planet, Kepler-88, I think it's referred to as, with the intention of growing a new generation of humans from these embryos that they were shipped with. And they're thinking, okay, well, this will turn out well. We'll have a new group of human beings that have never known anything other than what we have taught them. And this was the whole plan of the atheistic society, apparently, from the beginning, is that they'll, you know, they'll, in some way, shape, or form, have wiped out anyone who believed in soul, and they'll go on to live, you know, another day. Well, the problem is, they get to this planet, and they start gestating the children there, and all of them pop out. They grow to be somewhat little children there, and then all but one of them dies. Yeah, all but one of them kicks the bucket. Oh, yeah, spoiler warning here. If you're not watching the show, sorry about that. But uh, all but one of them dies. As it turns out, the food that they've been utilizing, uh, they were trying to eat some of the local vegetation there, and it turns out that it's packed with radiation. So they've unwittingly been giving these kids, I'm sure, all different forms of cancer and whatnot. But regardless, um, it does turn out, of course, that the soul believers, they are also trying to reach the same planet, and they have what is a, an arc to where they have brought their entire civilization, or what's left of it anyway, on the ship. And, of course, it turns out that there's some issues along the way with their ability to land on the planet. Not going to go a whole lot into detail there other than to say that uh, with the two androids, you have one represented as male, one represented as female. The male is sort of the subservient of the two. The female turns out to be a war machine in disguise. They had apparently no idea of what she was. She apparently didn't even have any idea of what she was until uh, she sort of mistakenly activates this aspect of her programming and she's able to... Yeah, I'm not going to describe really what she's able to do because it's pretty gross. But it's really intense, though. Um, the show is very interesting. It's got a lot of you know aspects to it that are discussion points about you know where we are in our own society and how we treat things. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sold into it. 
I'm going to continue watching it because I think it has a lot of potential. Um, but again, I'm not really a huge fan of it. It's, so it's, it's kind of teetering on edge there where I'll, I'll probably finish the season and then at the end it's going to be like, okay, well, that was, that was fine, but I'm not going to invest any more time into this or there'll be enough there to where I say, okay, well, we'll come back. We'll, we'll give it another shot. At this point, I really don't know. There's not been enough out there yet for me to really say for sure one way or another. One thing I am sure of, though, holy cow, Lovecraft Country. Oh, man. If you're not watching Lovecraft Country, you really need to find a way to get into this show. It's just, it's such a crazy thing in terms of how every episode, it's like, all right, well, we've, we've kind of established the ceiling for where this thing can go in terms of visuals and the theme and whatnot. And it just finds a way to say, nope, here we go. We're on a different plateau now. Like this, this past episode that came out last weekend, oh, God, just the visuals. I can't, I'm, I'm not going to do spoilers. I'm not going to do spoilers because this is a show I enjoy enough not to really want to put it all out there. But, man, such a good show incorporates this retelling of and a, a true retelling that's not been beat around the bush type stuff um, of American culture back in the Jim Crow era, um, right after the turn of the Korean War, uh, matter of fact. Um, and this sort of combination of, again, family drama, science fiction, love story, action. I mean, it's such a vivid combination of all these things. Super, super, super well done. Great acting by all involved. Special effects are tremendous throughout. Um, and just really, really worth your time. If you're at all a fan of things like, you know, uh, Lost or um, I can't even really think of anything to compare it to, but it's just, it's really something else. You know, if you, if you were into Westworld and Game of Thrones, that kind of thing, you would definitely enjoy this as well. It's it's just super worth your time. Really, really impressive thing. And again, it was a show that you coming into it. I'm like, I have no idea what this is about. I knew Lovecraft. Of course, it was a reference to all those works and whatnot uh, from HP Lovecraft, the, sort of the insane man that he was in terms of being able to generate all those stories and what have you, but insane in a good way. Insane creatively is, you know, a pretty impressive uh, attribute to have as a person who is going to call themselves an artist. But, you know, uh, the show itself, just nuts, absolutely nuts. And I love it and would really encourage you to check it out if you have not yet as well. So, you know, we're just really in a great spot here as far as being able to watch TV and enjoy these programs. Because let's face it, there there, there are times these days where we don't have a whole lot else going on except to enjoy some programs like these. And fortunately, there's a lot that are on now and a lot that you can still catch up on that you may not have seen in the past. And I'm sure there's some more coming down the pipe as well. So if you haven't already, check those shows out. Uh, let me know in the comments if you've got some shows that you enjoy that you might uh, think I would enjoy as well. Be more than happy to take them into consideration there and put them before the old uh, brain and eyes and see if it's, uh, it's worthwhile. So there you go. There's our TV talk for the week. Folks, going to take another break, listen to some tunes here, be back in a few with more of this week's episode of The Weekly Trim. Stay tuned.
away If you want to It's okay If you need to You can run But you can never hide From the shadow That's creeping up beside you There's a magic running through your soul But you can't have it all Whatever you do I'll be two steps behind you Wherever you go And I'll be there to remind you That it only takes a minute Of your precious time Turn around And I'll be two steps behind Two steps behind Running through your soul But you, you can't have it all Whatever you do I'll be two steps behind you Wherever you go And I'll be there to remind you That it only takes a minute Of your precious time To turn around I'll be two steps behind Yeah, baby Two steps behind Oh, sugar Two steps behind I'll be two steps behind Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thank you for continuing to hang out with us here on the Weekly Trim Podcast on the Rassable Redbeard YouTube channel. Of course, you also may be finding us on Anchor.fm, Spotify, or any number of other platforms out there. If you enjoy what you are listening to on the program, please consider giving us a like, a comment, a share. If you're on YouTube, a subscribe is always cool. This is one of those ways that you can participate with what we're doing here and also let us know that we're hopefully doing a good job and keeping you entertained and maybe a little informed there as well. Yeah, that was one thing we we forgot to talk about in the last segment there and talking about TV. There was a trailer for The Mandalorian that came out within the past week. We've been waiting for it for months and months and months. And now we have a trailer out there for season two of The Mandalorian. You know, I'm 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 going to lead into something, you know, because we're, we're I said in the last segment that I didn't want to talk about wrestling a whole lot on this show, and this segment here is going to be nothing but wrestling. But <laughs> when that trailer came out, there's a segment in it where people thought, "Oh, it's Ahsoka! It's Ahsoka! You can see Ahsoka!" It wasn't Ahsoka. Ahsoka was not in that trailer at all. That was Sabine Wren. And Sabine Wren apparently is being played by Sasha Banks, WWE superstar Sasha Banks. 
which is awesome because she's a very talented young lady and that could be a gateway to a lot of things for her. You know, it's one of these you know deals with when we talk about professional wrestlers, you know, we I personally have always been one to tremendously respect these men and women because of the fact that they are out there literally putting their bodies and lives on the line for the sake of entertainment for us to, you know, cringe at and to feel the drama of what they're doing. But they do this at the cost of their own health and well-being. So if someone like her, who's already got, you know, at least five, maybe close to ten years in the business there, can in some way, shape, or form parlay that into a career in acting to where she doesn't have to kill herself all the time, yeah, I, I definitely push for them to do that. Because you look at people like The Rock, John Cena, you know, even others who, like even Hulk Hogan for crying out loud, who have been able to parlay their success in the professional wrestling business into a career where they don't have to shorten their livelihood or you know get to a point where they can't stand up straight and this that and the other you know it's definitely worth it to to me as someone who appreciates and respects what they do so if this winds up being a gateway for her totally awesome be a great thing not only to add her to the uh, mythology of Star Wars characters and actors that have been involved with these uh, stories over the years, but also just to say, hey, we got a we got one of our own in there now. We got we got a wrestler in there at this point in time. That's just pretty cool. But in talking about local wrestling, you know, we could be over the next two or three weeks here, we could be looking at the return of pro wrestling in the Carolinas. And there's already been some that's been happening. I will say that there's been. Some shows that we've been aware of, like in North Carolina, for example, there have been some events that have been held at outdoor venues, even though they're not really supposed to be having events necessarily. I think that they've kind of gotten around the um, mandates of the government there by having those events outdoors, which that's you know perfectly fine, whatever. That's you know one of those things. But again, like what we talked about in the opening of the show, I have been very hesitant to go to any of those. One, of course, because of the fact that there's likely to be somebody there who's got the virus, and with my luck, I'll be the one to get it transmitted to them. But also because you know, sitting outside this time of year, even if it gets into the evening, it's always a crapshoot because there's possibility of thunderstorms, possibility of rain, period, uh, possibility of it being hot as balls. And being uncomfortable, you know, and not really all that conducive to watching and enjoying yourself. Um, so that's one of the reasons, or several of the reasons, why I've not yet gone to one of those events that's been up in North Carolina. Here in South Carolina, totally opposite scenario to where, because of the fact that we have a athletic commission that expects all events to be sanctioned, you couldn't do that, even if you could get around, you know, doing things by one virtue or another in terms of saying, oh, we're going to have an outdoor show. Yeah, well, you can't really do that because they're still going to expect their comeuppance is the Athletic Association. So it is what it is there. They probably could have done it here, um, but I think they've they've held off because in some situations, you know, it just is not going to be profitable because you've got to have a venue that meets the guidelines for one, but then you've got to have a venue that you can have enough people in there to where you actually stand to not lose your ass in terms of you know, the cost of running a show being more than what you potentially bring in. So that's one of those things that people have to deal with as well there. But in the next couple of weeks, I really think 
that we're going to have more sanctioned, more legit wrestling happening in the Carolinas than we've had within the past six months. Um, we've got a couple of promotions that have, you know, again, they've run private events for TV tapings. NAWA, the promotion that myself and Michael Elliott do some work for as commentators, they've uh, continued to run pretty regularly and uh, done TV for the past couple of months successfully. Uh, again, the outdoor venues are getting by without restriction, but starting next weekend, this is big. Starting next weekend, Palmetto Championship Wrestling on September 26th, Seven Oaks Park in Columbia, South Carolina. The return of Palmetto Championship Wrestling. PCW returns to... This is me doing my announcer voice gaming. PCW returns to... I can't even do it because I don't know the full details of what the time of the thing and all that are. But the big point is they're coming back. They're doing a show. And it's uh, apparently, for all intents and purposes, is going to be some good stuff happening because um, they've always had a pretty strong roster with PCW. It's going to be interesting to see who comes back, though. Like, who's there for the first one? Because you've had not only the opportunity for people to have lapses when it comes to their um, licenses. We, We talked a moment ago about the athletic commission here in South Carolina being what it is. Some of those folks might not have renewed their licenses. Some folks uh, might not want to come back to the Carolinas. They might've gotten to a point where they say, okay, well I'm able to work in Tennessee or wherever now and get, you know, what I've been asking for, not having to uh, try and swindle my way out of the 25 bucks that you feel like you are paying me justifiably. You know, it's just one of those things where we have to see what talent does come back. They had announced uh, two matches. One of them we think is still going forward, and that's going to be for the Soda City Championship, which is kind of their mid-card championship, kind of like an intercontinental title type thing, uh, where the working team captain, Owen Knight, current champion, will be taking on Fluffman. And uh, if you've never seen Fluffman, he's kind of the college party kid type gimmick. He's an interesting dude, good dude with a lot of personality and whatnot. Um, got to know him and talk to him over the years before he was an active competitor when he was still training and whatnot. Uh, I wish he'd get in a little better shape. You know, not to say that he's in bad shape now for the gimmick that he's presenting. It's just one of those deals to where I wish he would get a little bit more put together because if he did, I think he's got the talent and the persona and the gift of gab there to really be able to do something. But um, Owen Knight, his opponent, He's one of the guys who, to me, is one to watch here in this region. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of athletic ability. Before um, the pandemic broke out, he was on several uh, rosters throughout Georgia and the Carolinas and was very highly touted on about all of them. So, again, to have him come back is going to be a big deal there. So I'm looking forward to seeing him return there. Uh, The other match that they had been promoting as being a part of the show was going to be Anthony Henry taking on uh, the tie-dye sunrise there, James Johnson. And that match has been called off, unfortunately. It's been reported that there was a a scheduling conflict between Anthony Henry and PCW and that he was not going to be able to make the show. It's one of those deals to where it's like, all right, is that legitimate or did something else go on there? Because when you have something come up where you've already promoted a, a match is happening 
And it's like, oh, well, no, we, we actually can't have that match now. Well, why? Well, there's a scheduling conflict. Somebody like Anthony Henry doesn't know how to keep his calendar in order. I know it's been a couple of months since we've been able to run consistently, but it just seems weird. And it's one of those deals where you have to wonder, is that the actual reason that the match isn't happening? Did someone you know, have an issue again with licensure? Was maybe there an injury involved? Money issue? You know, It could have been half a dozen things there. If it was legitimately a scheduling issue, then that's fine. But a lot of times when you have a promotion that puts something out like that, it means something else. And that's fine. You know, whatever. It is what it is. But it's just, it's unfortunate that they had already promoted the matches going on. And then, nope, but sorry, it's not happening there. I thought that would have been an interesting contest. Johnson's come a long way in his development. Of course, Anthony Henry, everybody knows who he is. In terms of having, you know, famous matches with guys like Tommaso Ciampa and, and whatnot up in North Carolina for PWX and other promotions there. Uh, being one half of the Evolved Tag Team Champions, you know, it, it's been a storied career for him. He, of course, um, is still planning, as far as we know, on um, retiring at the end of 2020 in terms of no longer being in the wrestling business, period. Uh, will he maybe come back for some more stuff in 2021 since 2020 hasn't really been what we were thinking or hoping it would be, I doubt it. He seems to have been pretty fervent in his decision, but, you know, um, how many times has Terry Funk retired? Eh, you know, he's going to add one or two more on there before the end of the day, but we'll have to see who winds up being James Johnson's opponent there for that match. You'd think that they would have probably four more matches at least because it's usually with PCW a six or seven match card. Uh, we'll have to see there for sure what happens. I'm looking forward to it. It's you know, a show I'm planning on attending. I do hope to record a episode of uh, Rassler Redbeard, the vlog series that I had, because I want to be able to document the differences that exist now between where we were back six, seven months ago, whenever we were running regular shows there. So I want to be able to pick up what it's like at this point in time. And I know it'll be, you know, there'll be masks, there'll be all kind of stuff that's going to be visually different. But in terms of the actual feel of the show, the feel of the crowd, that's the kind of thing that I'm looking forward to being able to document there as well. Uh, and also, of course, I'm sure there's going to be differences in terms of the layout of the actual event because I, I doubt they'll be selling concessions. I question whether or not there'll be things like gimmick tables out there. If there are, you know, it's just like, it's sort of like, well, what are you going to do to increase sanitation and hygiene there? You have to question things suddenly. But, you know, it it, uh, it will be interesting. I'm sure it will be fun and enjoyable, but it's it's going to be different for sure. Um, beyond that, we've got what we think is going to be the return of action-packed wrestling in Chester, South Carolina. There, if you are ever interested in seeing what's coming if you're a wrestling fan, if you're interested in seeing what's coming to the state of South Carolina anyway, there is a calendar maintained by the Department of Labor Licensing and Regulation, which is the d department under which the uh, South Carolina Athletic Association falls under. There's a calendar out there on their website to where they list all sanctioned events that they have received proper paperwork to endorse. And last we looked, there was an event marked on there for October 9th 
for APW in Chester, South Carolina. Uh, that's all the information we have at this point in time. It may or may not come to fruition. It kind of is leaning towards looking like that will happen, though, because William Roberts, the promoter for APW, uh, William is a great guy. He's a tremendous asset to the business in this part of the world in maintaining APW, and uh, he's he's done a lot of work here by all uh, intents and purposes from the look of things that he's put on his Facebook page. Um, he maintains most of this, this facility himself, and he's done work here the past several weeks in preparing it, cleaning it, getting it up to specs here with all sorts of you know just things and aspects of uh, maintaining a building and whatnot that you you don't really ever see some promoters doing, but you've seen him do it. Like he he uh, appeared to have, have not only mopped and sealed the uh, floor there, but he cleaned the ring, took the whole thing down there. Retaped the ropes, retaped the turnbuckle pads, uh, just you know, did all sorts of maintenance not only there but also the concession area. Uh, just a lot of work put into maintaining what has always been a tremendous fan experience. You know, you look at these little houses like the little arenas, like what they have there in Chester, and it's like, well, this is place is a dump. No, it's not. That place is a gold mine. I would sooner go there and enjoy a show than just about anywhere else. It has a great personality. It has hosted some tremendous matches over the years. Not just in that building. APW has been in, I think, at least three different buildings that I can think of over the years. But this is the building that uh, William has owned and maintained. Well, not owned. I think he actually leases it. But this is the building that he's maintained for at least the past five years now and done a great great job of keeping it up and making it into this to this real just respectable and appreciable place that fans love and i think the i think the talent love it as well because they know that the fans are going to be there in support of them every time they open the doors it's a great place and if you're a fan of professional wrestling in the carolinas and you've never seen the apw arena there in chester strongly encourage you to check it out sometime easy to get to not far off of uh, i-77 there um it's probably five or ten miles off of i-77 once you turn in towards chester there but easy to get to Uh, easy 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 trip from anywhere in the carolinas i would say um but you know in looking at all that i'm going to wrap this up by kind of going off the cuff here in my show notes i I don't have anything about this but i'm going to mention it anyway you know a lot of this is sort of building and churning around the question that i've gotten several times here recently and that is will we see a iteration of the carolina's professional wrestling awards in 2020 if you didn't know I um, am the moderator of the CPWAs, have been for pretty much their entire existence. Um, it's it's something that I've I've had bouts with in terms of, you know, why do I continue doing this? Because for all that I had originally intended to do with these things, I've seemingly have failed at every turn. Because the whole point of it, whenever I and there were other awards. Uh, throughout the Carolinas before you know, I took over the CPWAs. But my reasoning in continuing them was to just plain show respect to the men and women who make up the business in this part of the world. 
I had no other intention beyond that. It was not about, you know, getting any type of notoriety. It was not about, you know, being able to spend time with the boys. It was not about trying to get into locker rooms. None of that. I think people have accused me of everything from, I had somebody this past year, they accused me of hacking the vote to try and get uh, things to sway one way or another. I, I wouldn't even know how to begin to do that. Even with my background in IT and whatnot, I would have no idea how to manipulate the voting system that we use. It's a, it's a Facebook poll is what it is. But regardless, you know, uh, in doing the awards, it's become a thankless task. Um, and I've had bouts, you know, because not only has it become a situation to where it seems a lot of the time the effort that I put into it is not met with any type of, you know, or at least not that much genuine appreciation, but it's also, you know, a thing that I invest money into because there have been some times where I've had some assistance in terms of paying for the awards. But for the most part, you know, the awards, I buy these things. They're they're a plaque from an actual company that makes plaques. Um, I buy them every year. I've, I've occasionally I've had some help from some of the folks who have been good enough to donate here and there. But for the most part, it's all me. And that's around it's close to $300 to you know, buy those things. And I do it because again, I do it because I enjoy being able to show appreciation and respect to the people who are part of the professional wrestling business in this area. And if I can do a little bit through the awards in order to promote them and to make them more recognizable, then, you know, that's the amount of success that I'm happy with. And that's really all I could ask for is for people to, continue to gain more notoriety and more exposure by virtue of what we're doing. So people have asked, okay, or is there going to be an awards in 2020? Verdict's still out, to be honest with you. I I told some people that I was going to wait until the end of September to see what it looked like, and we're approaching the end of September. And North Carolina, for all intents and purposes, has not really gotten going yet. You got companies like... PWX and AML and others who you know, they they haven't been able to run for one reason or another. They've you know, like AML and uh, PWF and a couple of others. They've run little spot shows for TV broadcast here and there, and even groups like Firestar Pro Wrestling. You know they've had some TV spots and whatnot. But has it been a full scale operational year to where everybody who is typically involved? Have they been able to be involved? No, not yet. So it's 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 something I've been juggling because not only have we not had a regular year in terms of the amount of participation, we've also not had a regular year in terms of just things being what they should be, period, in terms of my organizing the awards. Because typically by this point in the year, the panel who sits and helps me judge things and uh, make decisions and whatnot. The panel has already been installed for several months. This year, I haven't even talked to anyone about being on the panel because I was kind of disillusioned there at the end of 2019. Uh, order the awards, and then, you know, I had every intention of, of course, getting them out to their rightful owners. Uh, that never happened. I still have them. They're sitting in a box uh, waiting to be handed out. I'm hoping to be able to do that sometime here soon as things begin to sort of churn over again. But um, I haven't even handed out the 2019 awards. 
I have no panel for 2020. I've got things that I would like to change about our order of operations, but I haven't really taken the time to hammer any of those down. So there's a lot that is going to have to happen in a very short period of time in order for me to think that the 2020 CPWAs are going to happen. I I would love for them to happen. I really want for them to happen. But if it's not feasible for them to happen, then we're just going to take a break this year and we'll come back in 2021. I hate to do that, but it might be what goes on. We're going to... We're going to give it some time, though. I'm going to give it a little bit more of an opportunity here because things in this day and age change with the day. You and I both know that conditions uh, presently will be totally different 24 hours from now, seemingly, depending on what goes on in the world. So we're going to wait. We're going to take a, a uh, an opportunity to see what's going on in the world, to see how various things are working and changing and then we'll make a uh, decision based on all of that once the time has come but it's it's uh, it's coming soon i can guarantee you that much but uh that's enough wrestle talk here for one episode of the old weekly trim we're to a point where i need a drink i am parched so we're going to come back with our traditional send-off here our cap of the program where i get to have a beverage and we're going to talk about what's Red Beer drinking here in a few. Stay tuned, folks. Be right back. Step inside. Walk this way. You and me, babe. Hey, hey. a bomb baby come on get it on living like a lover with a red eye phone looking like a tramp like a video vamp demolition woman can i be your man hey hey in a dazzle in a flashy little light television lover baby go all night sometime anytime sugar me sweet little miss innocent sugar
continuing to hang out with us here on the old weekly trim as part of the rest with Redbeard YouTube channel. Oh, folks, I've talked a lot here this evening. I am thirsty. I am ready for something to drink. And here today, we've got one that I think is going to be very refreshing. I'm hoping it is anyway. Um, we've got a seltzer. You know, I've reviewed a couple of seltzers on the show here in the past. I did the Bud Light Black Cherry. I think we did a White Claw here at one point in time. And this one is a little bit different than those because those were just a, a seltzer. This is from the Truly brand, which I looked up here because I was trying to see. You know, in, some, in some cases, you have these things where it says it's, uh, you know, or it's Truly. But it, it actually is an Anheuser-Busch product or something like that. This appears to be a just a, a brand name, Truly which I thought was a weird name for a brand of drink of this nature, but, you know, whatever. Um, this is the Truly Lemonade Hard Seltzer, which, from the look of things online, from doing a little bit of research about this, they have a pretty wide variety of just, you know, the hard seltzers, but also they have things like this, which in some cases it comes in a variety pack to where it looks as though they have uh, four distinct varieties and flavors here. Uh, they have black cherry, the original, which is what we have here today, strawberry, and mango. Those all sound delicious, um, but we only have the lemonade here because I wanted to try one as opposed to buying a big pack of these things. That's one, you know, that's one aspect of doing these reviews on this show to where it often uh, is restrictive in terms of what I can buy uh, based on it being a single as opposed to a six-pack. Because I hate buying a six-pack of something, and then you review it, and it's like, ugh, that is just terrible, or it's not something that you enjoy drinking. Like the you know the Budweiser um, Nitro Gold here that I did here a couple of weeks ago. Not a bad beer, but I've still got one of those in the fridge because of the fact that it's it's just not that good. And the nitro aspect of it was just like, eh, 
it's just a gimmick. You know, there's nothing really beneficial to enjoying that beer by having to pour it that way, but whatever. So in regard to this here, this is a seltzer. This is likely much along the same lines as what we've experienced before now in that it will be a, a hopefully refreshing light beverage. Uh, this one comes in a little bit high. It's a 5% ABV can. And this is, uh, this is not 12 ounces. This is how much here? Uh, I'm trying to read the can. 16 fluid ounces on this one. And, you know, like I was saying there a moment ago, this is, I bought this one because of the fact that um, at one of our local purveyors, it was available as a single. I think they might have had one or two other flavors from the Truly brand there, but this one was available as a single, so it became very uh, much a a good opportunity there for me to have something new to try. Uh, and looking at this, it's a cool little can, um, not very much in terms of the color aspect ratio there. It's just a, uh, a black uh, solid can here. It looks like it's got some lemons on there, the Truly brand, and the lemonade hard seltzer text and whatnot on there. Uh, it says original lemonade, so not much... Uh, not much more you can read into it than that. Uh, there's no, from the look of the can, there's no description on here other than just the ingredients and the nutritional facts and whatnot. Uh, it says it's 1% juice, so hey, there's there's actual juice in there. But as I said, it's a 5% ABV and uh, comes out of Massachusetts. You know, there's plenty of good breweries up there in that part of the world, and this seems to be one of them now. Uh, the description that we're getting here is from Total Wine and More's uh, website, their uh, website, TotalWine.com. Uh, the description is, a refreshing lemonade, truly hard seltzer and lemonade. This refreshing drink brings the delicious, sweet, and tart flavors of lemonade to a light, bubbly, hard seltzer. Th- those descriptions are often very oddly worded, and that first sentence there was just plain weird. Kind of threw me off my game there a little bit, but at any rate... We're going to pop this can open here and give it a pour into our glass, see what the uh, color and whatnot comes off as, and uh, give you the full rundown of this thing here. So here we go with the Truly Lemonade Hard Seltzer. I'm getting my fingers under the pop top here. Here we go. Let's see. All right, we're going to give it a pour into our glass so we can get a full idea of this. Ah, yes. That Alka-Seltzer head there. (laughs) Which is just a joke. It doesn't look at all like Alka-Seltzer, other than to say that it has some fizz and carbonation in there. All right. um, In terms of the look of this, it's a slightly cloudy sort of uh, opaque um, fluid here. Not, Not like a tinge of yellow, so it doesn't appear to have any real dyes or whatnot in this, which is a good thing. Um, it does look like a fizzy lemonade. Like if I were to um, make some lemonade here as we do at home quite often, which with just, you know, lemon juice, sugar, and water, um, this looks like it's just basically that with some fizz to it. So it doesn't appear to be a whole lot in terms of any extraneous ingredients in there, which is a good thing. You hate to see these things where they're all loaded with color and whatnot to make it look like something else. But let's put the nose to it and see if we get anything as, as far as aromatics are concerned. Mm, yeah, le- very lemon forward, as you would expect there. Um, did not pick up on any type of malt sensation. 
Uh, the lemon gave it a very crisp, very clean scent there, or aroma. I always want to say scent, but you should say aroma because scent makes you sound like we're talking about a fart as opposed to a drink. Um, very clean, very crisp in terms of the aroma there. And it seems to be, you know, like we say, very uh, lemon forward here. And the descriptor, of course, it did say the sweet and tart flavors of lemonade. So uh, enough talk. Let's give this a chance here. And we're going to put it to the old lips and see how it goes. Here's truly lemonade. Oh, yeah. Mm, it, do, it does have a tartness to it. Very tart finish. Uh, that's good, though. Ooh, this is very good. Uh, it's got a nice sweetness up front there. Uh, you definitely get the sweetness of a traditional lemonade as you initially uh, let this hit your tongue. Uh, the effervescence of the carbonation really is awesome here because it, you know, I, I called it Alka-Seltzer when I first poured the can. It, it has a lot of carbonation in this. But that's nice. That's part of the refreshment value of these things, is having that carbonation in there. But uh, as I said, nice sweet up front there. has a, a sort of a lingering sweetness there after we've taken a drink. Very tart on the back end. Very much like you're getting that good punch of actual lemon uh, and lemon juice in there. Uh, which I I appreciate that. I I think this is a very refreshing, very um, awesome drink here. It's got a great combination of flavors. Not, you know, with some seltzers, they tend to be a little bitter and a little harsh in terms of how the seltzer comes across. This, I think, with the lemonade, it plays into that because of it already uh, having a little bit of that in there, but also because the lemon goes hand in hand with it. But the lemon, as opposed to increasing it to where it becomes just kind of type reaction, this actually gives it a reason to taste that way. So the the whole experience here is very pleasant. Um, and again, at 5%, um, you could go home with a six-pack of one of these and have a good time without really getting too terribly invested in a lot of stuff there. But let's give this another um, opportunity, and we'll see what the second experience is like after we have one more swig here of our truly lemonade hard seltzer. Yeah, this one's dangerous, folks. <laughs> Whenever I say that, you know, it always means something, and this is a very good drink here, a lot of drinkability. Um, easy to go down. This, you know, we're, as I talked earlier in the show, we're getting away from the summer months. This would be perfect out for like a barbecue or something of that nature where you're outside and you want something to cool you down, but you don't want something that's so heavy as like a, you know, a, a traditional beer or whatnot. This would be great. This is really a tremendous beverage here. Um, I am looking forward to finishing not only this one, but I'm going to, I'm going to now have to seek out these other flavors as well because this was a great experience. Really enjoyed this one wholeheartedly, and I think you would as well because this is, you know, this is the kind of thing that you would you, you don't want to call it entry level, but at the same time, because of the fact that this is not something that requires a whole lot of knowledge of like brewing styles or what the flavor profile is going to be. It's something that anyone can kind of pick up and get into. And that's, that's a good thing. 
So again, this is a very enjoyable drink. I'm going to finish this one off for sure here as I sit here and do some editing and whatnot. And if I had more of them, I would definitely get those as well because um, this is a, a very awesome offering here. Very much enjoying this one. Uh, in terms of rating, I would give this one a very high. Uh, we're going to do about a 7.5 out of 10 on this one. Um, it's it's really good. It's There's just a couple of things that don't put it into that real upper echelon of drinks, and it's because of the fact that I can't really give it that high of a mark since it is just a seltzer after all. If you know, if there was something that was more to it involved in terms of this being a actual brewing process that took some work and whatnot, then it would be in that you know eight, eight and a half region there. Uh, as it is, this is a great drink, uh, very easy to put down, uh, great flavor. Um, the effervescence of the carbonation is part of the refreshment value there. Um, makes for some great burps as well. <laughs> That's always something you can enjoy with these things is the burps that come along with them there too. Um, but just a great drink. Very, very cool. Um, you know, part of what I do with these reviews is I always get these things nice and ice cold. Um, this you could probably pour over ice if you wanted to. And it would dilute it a little bit, sure, but it would not kill it entirely. Um, but yeah, just a great drink here that I'm going to continue to enjoy. And folks, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Weekly Trim here on the Rassimal Redbeard YouTube channel. Folks, if you haven't already, please consider giving us a like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff that we as YouTubers and online personalities are supposed to beg you for. Appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for continuing to be a part of what we do here. We love all of you. If you have not, please remember to wear your mask, wash your damn mask, and folks... I'll meet you further on up the road.